0: Daniel, Perik Aleph, chapter 11. As you'll recall from our last shiur, the chapter division here is quite artificial since it breaks off in the middle of the words of the angel to Daniel where he is telling him what will happen at the end of days. You will recall the last two psukim of the previous Perak are the angel saying that he had come to Daniel to tell him about what would happen in the future, but he needed to go to return to do battle with the heavenly advocate of Persia, the Tsar of Persia, and then immediately after that, the prince of the Tsar of Greece would approach. But the only person that will be able to stand up against them, the only angel, would be the Jew's heavenly advocate, Michael, the angel Michael, who is called Michael Sarchem, Michael, your heavenly prince. Pasuk Aleph, the Ani, the Daryavesh Hamed. Hamadi, this is the angel speaking, and I, in the first year of dar the Mid, meaning the first year after the Babylonian kingdom was overthrown, I stood up as a support and a stronghold for him. So the angel is telling um, Daniel that Hashem had stood up at, to um, strengthen either the either Darius which is according to Rav Sadia Gaon, or most of the commentaries say for the angel Michael, because that's who was standing up against all these enemies. Pasuk Bet. And now, I will tell you the truth. Okay, three other kings will arise for Persia. And the fourth one, He will have greater riches than everybody. And when he becomes strong, the oshro with his wealth, yair hakol et yavan, he will arouse all of his kingdom against the kingdom of Greece. So there's going to be a new fourth king who is going to, um, who's going to then have some kind of confrontation with the Greek Empire. Now, there are different opinions as to who these three kings were, and I referred to them at the end of our last shiur. According to the Seder Olam Rabbah, it's Cyrus, Koresh, Achashverosh, and Daryabesh II, who were three kings after Darius the Mede. According to the Ibn Ezra, he says they were Achashverosh, Astarshasta Astar II, because he says that Astarshasta First was Achashverosh, and Daryabish that was killed by Alexander, three kings after Cyrus, in whose time this revolution this revelation is given. But we're not sure. In, the, in any case, the fourth one, Harivii, the last king of Persia, will be killed by the Greeks. Um, and we are not sure who that is, based on our really foggy knowledge of Persian history as well. We don't have very clear documentation on that. Pasukimo. The Amad Melech Gibor, a mighty king will then arise. Well, if we have to think, I think most people would agree that that must be Alexander the Great, since Alexander the Great is a mighty king who heads the Greek kingdom. Umashal Mimshal Rav, and he will rule with great domination, V'asa Kirtzono, and he will do as he wishes. Um, by the way, this is exactly the same description as the ram of Persia in Perekhet, V'asa Kirtzono. Um, In these three verses, we're going to see the word mashal, to rule, repeated again and again, and I think part of the intention is for us to think, who is the true ruler? The word mashal repeated seven times as a milah mancha, as a, a theme word for this small section remember tsono means that he's not dependent on anybody, and Rav Sadi Gaon points out that Alexander basically moved people around, moved nations around, couldn't have cared less where they originally came from. So that's the tsono. Pasuk talad U'chi omdo, and after he arises, or at the height of his power, Tishaber malchuto, his kingdom will be dissolved, and that's the same language as was used for the description of the horns. V'techatz la'arba And it will be divided into the four directions of the, four cardinal directions, the four directions of the heaven. There will be one kingdom in each direction. And not to his successors, i.e. his children. And not, they will not be rulers as great as he was. Because his kingdom will be um, uprooted. And for others, besides these four, these four won't have the absolute power that Alexander the Great did. Um, The Ibn Ezra says, don't bother trying to figure out who these four people are, because it's a waste of time. They anyhow didn't have any power, but most commentaries identify them with the Diodokai, who were the four generals of Alexander who succeeded him and divided his empire amongst them. Pasuke. And the heart of the king of the stra- sorry, and the king of the south will grow strong. Umin sarav, and from his from his nobles and or with his nobles, and he will overpower him. Umashal rab and he will then rule a great with a great dominion. This seems to be identified with the melech the south of the known world was Egypt, and this would then be. Talmi, one of Alexander's generals, who is the founder of the Talmaic dynasty, which then rules over over that area, and sometimes, occasionally, rules over Eretz Yisrael as as well. Um, The fact that it says Vayechazak implies that he was the strongest of his contemporaries. What does it mean, Umin Sarav? Rav Sadia suggests that one of his officers will try to overcome him, but will not succeed. And that seems to have been Seleucus, who was his general, and then established his own dynasty, covering the East, Persia, um, Babylon, Syria, etc. And ultimately, is the um, is the founder of the Seleucid dynasty, which ends with or continues with our famous Antiochus of the Purim story. Based on this understanding of the verse, um, with sarav sorry, umashal this could either be Talmi or it could refer to the Seleucid Empire which rises from a sideway from the um from the Talmaic Empire. Pasukva. Ulikit Shanim and after a while, yitzhabru the Ithabaru, they will connect, they will become connected with each other, meaning that the kingdom of the south the Talmaic dynasty will become connected to the Min Sarim to the Seleucid dynasty, and we know that, in fact, Halmi's daughter married into that dynasty. Ubat melech and the daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north, meaning that they will marry each other, to establish peace. That was one way of making treaties by aligning yourself in marriage with other countries. So, for example, in more recent history, when Henry VII of England wanted to make a treaty with Spain, which was a very powerful country at that time, what did he do? He married his son Arthur to Isabella of, sorry, to Catherine of Aragon, to Isabella's daughter, Queen Isabella's daughter. When Arthur died, Henry VIII, his, her brother, his brother, married her instead. So there was a marriage alliance between England and Spain. The children of kings were very, very often used as pawns in this, and they would be promised in marriage to different kings until they were finally able to marry whoever it was that at that moment, when they were ready for marriage, was the appropriate uh, power with which to allot. So, back to this so she will marry to the, the, to the king of Tzaphon, to the king of the north, to establish a brightness, a brightness or rather to make peace. Koach Hazroa, okay, but she will not be able to restrain the power of the strong arm. Veloya Amod, and nor will the king stand stand. or or with his arm. Vitinaten and she will be given, and those who brought her will be surrendered. Vahayolda, as well as the one who fathered her, her father. The and, and he who supported her in her times of need. In other words, this marriage will not end well. She will not be strong. She won't be able to withstand her enemies, and her father will not be able to protect her. Over, protect her. She will be handed over either to be imprisoned or to be executed. Now, we do know that Tommy II's daughter, Berenike, also pronounced as Bernice, married Antiochus II, who divorced his first wife, in order to marry her, and the first wife had Berenike and her son executed after she poisoned, after the first wife poisoned Antiochus. Tommy tried to convince, tried to help, but he couldn't, and he died on his way, or he died in battle, we're not sure. So we see this coming true in in the times preceding the story of Chanukah. Pasuk Zayin, Ahmad, Minetzer שורשה Kano. And a, a, an offshoot, a sprout, that will come from her, from her roots will stand firmly on his foundation. And he will confront the army of we'll see of the king of the north, and he will enter the stronghold of Melechatzafon, the king of the north. And he'll succeed against them and he will overpower them. So that seems to be Tommy the who was the descendant of Tommy the second's daughter. Berenice, uh, sorry, who was the sibling of Berenike? Went ahead to fight against the northern empire, against the Seleucid dynasty because he wanted revenge. For the death of his sister, and he conquered the strongholds of the Seleucid, and then Pasukhet, the gam and also their idols would be captured im with their with their um, with their im sorry with the princes im kol klechem datam and with all their precious vessels kesef is ahab silver and gold bashevi avi he will bring them in captivity to Egypt. And he will stand secure for years against the king of the north. So either he will stand secure or he will last longer. By the way, where it says Mitzrayim here, this is the first time that we know that the king of the south is Mitzrayim. Now the fact that it says he will take the, these idols, Bashvi, in captivity, usually that refers to people, not to objects. So either it's mocking them, or it means the attendants, etc., will be taken into captivity, which we know is what happened in the ancient world. When a nation was conquered, the gods were taken, so-called, into captivity as well and displayed in the temples of the victorious kingdom. Pasuktet uba b'malchut melech he will enter the kingdom of the king of the south, v'shav el-admato, but he will return back home, he will return North. Now, this could mean that the northern king will come now to fight the southern king, the the um, and but he will not succeed, and he'll have to stay. He, he will have to stay home. He will have to return home because he did not. He was not successful. Ubanav and his children, Yitgaru, will stir themselves up. The Asvuhamon Chayalim Rabim and they will gather a multitude of great armies. Uva and they will, and he will then he will then come v'shataf, and he will inundate Avar and he will pass through v'yashav, v'yashov, and he will once again stir himself up ad muuzon, right up to the southern king's forts. So the sons of the northern king will incite attacks against the south once they've regained their strength from their failed campaigns, and they will buy they will continually come, they will continually do these types of attacks, and they will flow strongly and overflow, overflow all obstacles. However, the king of the north is going to attack a second time, and he will be successful, and Rav Sadia points out this is when Antiochus III lost the battle of Rafia, um, which was he was trying to capture the fortress of Ptolemy IV moving on pasuk yud aleph marmar and the king of the south will become embittered the word mar is in there and he will go out mo, and he will fight with him with the king of the north rav he'll raise a great army vinitan but that multitude that great army will be given into the hands of the king of the south so he's not going to be he's not going to be successful so the king of the north is going to try to, fight, going to fight against the south, and it's not, it's not going to work again. Um, I think also the word Vayit Marmar implies bitterness, not only bitterness, but also cruelty. The question is who's going to set up the vast forces. There's com- there are differences in the commentary um, as to which king is going to be stronger, but in any case, the battle is not going to be, go well. Pasuk, yud gemo, uh, pasuk yud bet viniṣa viniṣa and the multitude will feel uplifted viram le'vavo, and their hearts will be uh, raised up and he although they will cut down many many of their enemies voloya uz but they will not prevail this is rashi's um, rashi's interpretation other interpretations are ha Hamon, that the multitudes will be taken into, into captivity. And the word Vinisa is usually used to mean an object. It could imply that means they're going to be treated quite poorly. Vyarum livavo means the heart of the king of the south, the Egyptian king, will be raised, will be elevated, veloya oz, but his victory will not last. And Rashi says over here that he won't, he won't, this will not be a Good ending for the king, because what's going to happen? Pasuk Yud Gimel Vashav Now the northern king is going to come. It's going to have an even greater army than he had before that. Shanim. And after some years, Yavobo he will come again and again. Gadol with great, you know, with many soldiers. Rav and with great. Um, with great wealth. And this could be that he had taken originally from the king of the South. Uba'itim Hahim, and in those times, Pasuk yudalit, Rabim many will stand up against the king of the South. Ubine Amcha and the the lawless the sons of the lawless people of your nation Will um, will exalt themselves, lahamid chazon, to establish a vision but they will stumble. They will not succeed. They will fail in what it is that they are doing. Um, Rashi and the Ramban takes this take this as an allusion to Jesus, that the sons of the of the lawless, meaning the the early Christians, will try to establish a vision, try to perpetuate their um, their vision of what the world should be like. However, they will not succeed. Um, there are others that say bine pritzi, bine amcha. That means that these are the Hellenists. We know that during the during the Talmud domination, they supported the Seleucids against the uh, against the Talmis, and maybe that's who it is. So the vinasu, they're going to be raising themselves up either to follow a man of false prophecy, which would be the view that this refers to the early Christians or to set up some kind of a treaty. They have this vision of peace that, so that they can control Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash but they are not going to succeed they will end up, as we're going to see described later on in Pasuk Lamid Gimel, they will fail. Moving on to Pasuk the king of the north will come, and he will pour out a mound, meaning that this is the way that they would do the um, a siege. They would pour a, a, a they would pour mounds of dirt next to the wall so that they could climb up to the wall. And he will conquer a fortified city, and the hands of the south will not be able to withstand it. The, the Am Mifcharav, and he has his chosen warriors, the Enkoch L'amod, but they do not have power to succeed. So this is a battle um, of the north, I beg your pardon, this is a battle of the north, yes, against the south. There are two possible candidates for this battle. We know that the Seleucids fought against the Ptolemies, both in Gaza in the year 201 BCE or in Banyas, in the north of Israel in 198 BCE, and both times they won, and the southern king will be left powerless even though he had these great soldiers. So what is the king going to do? Pasuk the northern king. The king will do, the northern king will do whatever it is. That he wants to do, the nobody can stand in his way. The amod be and he will also stand in the coveted land. The and he has annihilation in his hand. He has destruction in his hand. He will wreak havoc wherever he wishes. So he's going to establish himself in eretz Israel. This is the conquest of the Seleucid Empire of eretz Israel, and he will annihilate people there. Pasuk yud zayin, viyaseem panav lavo and he will come. He will. He will set his face to penetrate the strength of the southern kingdom. Kol the whole southern kingdom. V'yisharim imo, and the upright ones are with him. V'asa, okay. And he will succeed. Ubat and the he will give over to him the daughter among women, okay, which is a very, uh, very confusing. Um, epithet, but it seems to mean B'nei Yisrael, to destroy it. V'lo ta'amod, but he will not succeed, V'lo, lo tihiyah, and she will not be for him. So the king of the north is now going to want to attack the king of the south. He he goes through Eretz Yisrael to get there. He, takes, he goes with all his forces against the king of the south, throws all his forces in that area, and he has advisors with him, and he does what they say, and he tries, you now, what does it mean, Ubat As I said before, it could mean B'nai Israel. Another possibility brought by Ravsadya is that he will make a pact by marriage with a southern king. And who is that? One, Cleopatra, the daughter of Antiochus III, marries the IV in the year 191 BCE. So that would be after that great victory in Banyas. But ultimately his true goal is the destruction of the southern kingdom, of the Taumea kingdom, but he won't succeed because his daughter supports her husband and the southern kingdom will not be the northern kingdoms, um, will not belong to the northern kingdoms. Um, interestingly, the Midrash relates that Ubat HaNashim refers to Bnei Israel, Hayafa Banashim, who are described in Shir Hashirim as the most beautiful of women, and Rashi brings this and says that this refers to the gzerot of Antiochus IV, our famous Antiochus Epiphanus of the story of Hanukkah. but he does not succeed, even though he tries seducing or forcing the Jewish people to follow in his ways. We do not follow him. So he'll direct himself, he'll turn his face, his attention to the islands, Villa and he will conquer many. Katzin, but the commander will cause something to stop. What will he cause to stop? His insolence to stop. Bilti yashiv For his insolence alone, he will be punished by this. Since he doesn't succeed in Egypt, he turns his attention to the islands, and we know that Antiochus III conquers um, Asia Minor, he conquers Turkey, he conquers part of Greece, but then the Romans reverse his victory and warn him that he can't stay there. So an officer will end his insult. Now, Rashi says that this refers to the commander, meaning Hashem, who will end his insult. But it could also be, according to Rav Scipio, who defeated Antiochus III in, um, in Asia minor, minor. So he will only reverse the insult, he, he, what Rome didn't want him to take, but he will not lose everything totally. And this is really Mida um, Keneged Mida, I think, because he acted in an embarrassing way, in, in an arrogant way, so his arrogance will be paid back to him. yutet, then he'll turn himself back to the strongholds of his homelands. And he will stumble. And he will fall. And he will not be found. He cannot be found. Okay. And this could very well be when Antiochus III tried looting, looting. I'm sorry, the temple of Bel in Elam, one of the Babylonian cities. And he was assassinated. So, Veloyi he cannot be found because he, he's dead. So that's the end of him. Pasuk Yukhaf, V'amad al and then who will arise in his place? Ma'avir Noges, Heder Malchut. Okay, and who will rise in his place? One whose glory of kingship is in the overthrow of an oppressor achadim, but in a few short days or years, he will be broken. apaim but not through an enemy's wrath, Veloba milchama, and not through war. So in the following Adiochus the third, there's somebody who will inherit his position, and this seems to be Seleucus the Fourth, um, and he appoints Ma'avir no Ges, he appoints a man named Heliodorus. Who takes money from the temple treasury, so he's Ma'amid, he stood up, he, he established um, Heliodorus and allowed him to abuse his rights as a Kohen to, um, to abuse the position, and then um, there will be, he, he wants to oppress the glory of the Jewish kingdom. Ubi Amim Achadim, Heliodorus um, assassinates actually, or assists in the assassination of Seleucus the Fourth, Apim, it wasn't in a face to face battle, and it wasn't in a rebellion, Villoba Milchama, and not in war. We're going to conclude here for today, and we will see Bezrah Hashem in the next Shi'ur what happens following the death of Seleucus the Fourth, according to Daniel. Have a wonderful day.